The text that calls for our attention on this Lord's Day uh, is both our epistle and gospel reading, um, but focusing in on our epistle from 1 John and especially these words. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we have fellowship, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll admit to you today that the sermon today will not have a lot of frills. There will not be a lot of attention-grabbing words or images. For today, we want to be reminded through the scriptures of simply what the Bible teaches about the nature of sin in the Christian life. For as I listen to people talk about this topic, it seems there is much confusion about this topic among Christians in general. And I suppose that some of that confusion rests among us as well. You know, there are some Christians who act as if sin in the Christian life is just as normal as cold in Minnesota. They act as if its presence is so normal that no one should really worry about it, that it should not cause any alarm. Then, of course, there are other believers within the fold of Christianity who will tell you that if you're truly a good Christian, you should expect in this life at least to get to a point where you are completely free of sin. Any amount of sin in the life of a Christian, they say, is really a sign that faith is dead. Well, John, in our epistle reading today, helps us to understand the truth about the nature of sin in the life of God's baptized people. And he does so by telling us three things that we cannot say about sin in the life of God's people, and also by telling us three things we must say about sin in the life of God's people. We'll begin with the first of the three things we are never to say. John, through the Spirit, says we cannot say that we have fellowship with God, who is light, and yet walk in darkness. In other words, he says that we cannot claim to be Christians and yet walk in sin. But what exactly does it mean to walk in sin? I mean, don't us Christians walk in sin daily? Well, John is fairly clear here that for those who have been raised up in the power of the resurrection, we are not to walk in sin. He says we cannot walk in sin. So what does John mean by walking in sin? Well, he is talking about anyone that decides that they will walk in a sin without repentance. He is talking about those who will commit a sin with pride, not caring what God has to say about it, simply wanting to pursue it because 
they like it or it brings them some sort of advantage or pleasure. Yes, he says, though, that we are not to be people who walk in that way. Walking in sin is not so much about falling into sin, but it's about refusing to fall out of sin through repentance. But I want to be clear here, lest we judge ourselves innocent a little too quickly on this one. John, through the Spirit, is not talking about people who simply have their whole lives filled with sin from top to bottom. He's talking about any of us who are God's people and yet decide that we will walk with one sin or in one sin without repentance. Yes, he's referring to that sin you are tempted to claim as your own. He's referring to that thing that you continue to look at, that relationship that you refuse to heal, that anger that you claim is threaded right into your DNA. John says we cannot claim to have fellowship with the light and yet walk in sin. We cannot act as if sin in the Christian life is as normal as cold in Minnesota. Secondly, we cannot say that we have no sin. And I apologize for the double negative there for you school teachers. But we're not allowed to act as if we have no sin. We cannot act as if we as Christians have somehow became free to the extent in this world that our nature will no longer even allow sin to occur. Well, instead, we admit that while the Spirit dwelling in us does give us good and holy thoughts and desires when he dwells in us by his grace, but we also acknowledge that the flesh continues to wage war. Those Christians who think that they've reached such a level of holiness that they simply don't sin anymore, that the flesh never has its way with them, are simply deceiving themselves, the Spirit says. They have ceased to rely on Christ and his forgiveness. They've ceased to fear God as they ought to do. They've exchanged confidence in Christ for confidence in self. They cannot go on talking this way and not be exposed as liars. No, we cannot claim to be Christians and yet act as if we have lives completely free from the influence of sin. The third thing he says that we cannot say sounds very similar to the last. He says that we cannot say that we have not sinned. So here we are reminded that repentance is at the center of our life as God's people. Not only do we not walk in sin, but when we do sin, we must admit it. We must allow it to be rebuked. For he says if we don't do that, if we try to claim our sins are not sins, we're ultimately calling God a liar. We are telling him that what he calls sin is in fact good, or at the very least justifiable. When we refuse to repent, we end up judging God rather than sitting under his judgment. And to sit on that throne, well, we have to push God off 
before we can sit there. So here's the three things that we cannot say. We can't say that we are walking with Jesus and yet walk in darkness. On the other hand, we cannot say that we have no sin in our lives at all, acting as if we're completely free from sin's power and influence. And finally, we cannot act as if when we fall into sin, that it's not sin. That if somehow we have achieved sinlessness and are free of the need to repent. So what is it that we can say? What is it that we are supposed to say about sin in the Christian life? Well, the first thing we are to say is that if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, well, then Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. Yes, if we're seeking to walk in that newness of life that Easter morning brought to us, well, then Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. If we're willing to let our sins in our lives be exposed by the word of God, then Jesus cleanses us of all of our sins. Yes, he is the one who watches and sees that in fact we do fall into sin and yet offers us time and time again his forgiveness. Yes, we simply need to repent of sin and turn again to God. And we need not fear that every time we fall into a sin through weakness, that we will be cast away from the Father forever. But we can trust that in going to him, we will be received again. Secondly, we are told that we must say that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us. We must proclaim first and foremost that God has made a promise to forgive sins. He has told us that every time that we sin and then repent, he will forgive us. There's no doubt about that at all. That is his promise and he remains faithful to that promise. No matter how big the sin is, no matter how many times it's been done in the past, no matter what others think about that sin, Jesus says he will forgive. It is his nature, and it is at the heart of all the promises he has made to us. And lastly, we are told to confess that if we sin, we indeed know that we have an advocate with the Father. We have one who defends us before the Father. Throughout our midweek Lenten series, our service that we use there, there reminded us of this time and time again that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. You see, it's not just that Jesus wants to forgive us, but it's that he actively reminds the Father when we sin that the punishment for our sins already fell upon him. And therefore now, justice demands that we would be acquitted. Not because of something we did, but because of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. Yes, John helps us understand in just these few verses today exactly how we are to view sin in the Christian life. And it, let me summarize it with less than six statements. While admitting that there is sin in our lives, we should never feel that that frees us to walk in sin. 
as if we have not been freed from the tyranny of sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And if we do walk in sin, we should know that we are breaking the fellowship that he has established with us because we are refusing his grace in forgiving us. You see, we cannot say that we have no sin and we can't walk in sin. We seek to walk in newness of life and when we fall, we go back to our Lord for forgiveness. Jesus was so concerned that this message would be at the heart of what would happen in the church after he left that on the very first time when he came into the room there with those disciples in that upper room, he made certain that he would put this as a priority to tell his disciples. He entrusted with his disciples there what the catechism calls the office of the keys. And what is the office of the keys? Well, the catechism, of course, has an answer, so let's defer to that. It says the office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Yes, it is that power of Christ that he has given to his church to forgive the sins of those who fall into sin and yet also to withhold the sin of those who choose to walk in sin pridefully. It is given both of those powers and responsibilities. And our gospel reading tells us again that this was so important to Christ that it was one of the very first things he said after the resurrection. He gave them the Holy Spirit and he told them to go forward and use this power that he would give to them ultimately to bring peace in the world. That was the first thing Jesus said. Peace be with you. Because through his death and his resurrection, he had brought peace. Peace between God and man. And that peace also was intended to establish peace among humanity as well. And so he told his disciples exactly how that peace would come into people's lives. Just as the Father had sent him out, he was now sending them out with this word of the gospel. That they were to forgive the sins of those who repented, and they were to withhold forgiveness from those who refused to repent. And both of those actions, ultimately in the church, is about bringing peace. Now it may seem very obvious to us how forgiving sin brings peace, but what does it mean that withholding forgiveness also brings peace? Well, when the church has to withhold forgiveness from someone because they refuse to repent, the church is not doing so to try to push them out the door. Much to the contrary, the church is trying with that action to remind the person of the grave danger that they are in, that they might finally repent and be forgiven. The withholding of forgiveness is ultimately meant to lead to the giving of forgiveness as that person repents. Yes, indeed, this, we are told, is something that the church has been given to do, and we are to believe that it is happening in heaven just that very second that the church pronounces it on earth. So when the church forgives the repentant, they are to know 
that their sins are truly forgiven in heaven. But if the church should withhold forgiveness from anyone because they do not repent, they should also know that that withholding is done in heaven as well. God has established all of this that you might have peace with God and might live at peace with one another. Today, don't let the fact that you weren't there with the disciples when, that Je- when Jesus came into the room and told them about all of this cause any doubt about whether it's true for you. You see, the testimony of those apostles who were there and heard and saw and touched, well, their testimony is here with you this day. And added to their testimony is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the apostles' words are really his words. And they use even a voice like mine today to let you know that all of this is still true for you. That you may have fellowship with the apostles by remaining in fellowship with Jesus. So don't walk in sin pridefully, but also don't claim that you have no sin to confess. Instead, walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light. Let it reveal your sins along the way. For then the faithful one and the just one will forgive you just as he has promised. If you refuse to repent, know this. He has instructed his church to withhold forgiveness from you in order that the proclamation of that reality might shock you back into humility before God. But if you repent and have no fear, you have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. As we celebrated last week, we celebrate again. He has defeated sin and death and the devil. He has sent out his church in order that his peace might become your peace, that his victory might be yours. Yes, he is risen, and you are free to walk in the newness of life. Oh, to be sure, you'll fall into sin again, but never refuse to fall out of it. When you do fall into sin... Return to Jesus, and he will forgive. It's all the very basics of our faith. But the very basics of our faith are good news indeed. If we sin and go to Jesus, we are forgiven. Now that is good news. Amen.